a copy of the Word of God and want to turn along with us, we'll be in 1 Kings in chapter number 21. We'll read just a few verses here and try our best to give to you what the Lord has put on our heart. I tried today to pray and seemingly took a little while to feel settled about the service. Went through some other scriptures and Thought maybe I might deal with some of them and it just wasn't there. Couldn't feel at peace about that. And this scripture kept coming back to my heart. And a thought that I had pondered on in days gone by and never had preached it, I don't think, as far as I know. Uh, But the Lord brought it back to me. And I thought about this morning after the service that we had. It's kind of difficult to come in and preach what's on my heart tonight, some instruction I guess, Uh, but the Lord knows what He's doing and uh, He knows what we need and so I just want to do my best even though I'm flesh and I fail, I want to do my best to be obedient to His leadership. If you'll pray for us tonight that the Lord will help us and I trust that the Word of God will go forth and find its lodging in each heart and that it will be received in the right spirit tonight. 1 Kings 21, if you'd like to stand together as we read from the Word of God. 1 Kings 21, uh, probably not uh, one of the more well-known portions of this book. Most of the time when we read about or out of 1 Kings, we think about chapter 17 and that uh, prophecy, confrontation with Elijah and Ahab, this wicked king, and then God's provision for him at the brook and at the widow's house. Then in chapter 18, we have the contest with the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. We know about that chapter well. Chapter 19, we have where Elijah flees for his life and the still small voice of the Lord comes and speaks to him and strengthens him. And we know that chapter very well. We're still dealing with the same character by the name of Ahab in chapter 21, but it's a little less well known, this record here. I just want to read three verses beginning in verse number one and try to give you tonight what the Lord has laid on my heart. First Kings 21 and verse number one, it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it, or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight if God would be my helper and you'd pray for me for just a few minutes from these verses here about some things that aren't for sale. Some things that aren't for sale. Now I understand that in days gone by, there was a man of God by the name of Ralph Sexton Sr. that preached a message on some things that are not for sale. 
I don't know what scripture. I haven't listened to message in a long, long time. I don't remember. It may have been this very scripture. I don't know that he took his text from. But nevertheless, the Lord began to deal with my heart here in this scripture. And in days gone by, I pondered on it and he stirred in me some, but I never felt liberty to preach it until tonight about some things that are not for sale. Now here in the scripture we're introduced to a man by the name of Naboth. And the only thing we know about Naboth that we're told is that he is a Jezreelite or lives in the area of Jezreel and he has a vineyard that's near the palace of Ahab, the king of Samaria. And Ahab, this wicked king, who the Bible said did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than any king that was before him looked down and began to desire the vineyard that Naboth had. There are several reasons that the Bible tells us that Ahab desired the vineyard. Number one, I want to say he desired the vineyard because he was a covetous man. Ahab was a wicked man and he wanted everything that he wanted and he wanted it right now. He was a covetous man. But not only that, the Bible tells us that he wanted it because it was convenient for him. The Bible said it was hard by his palace and he wanted to make for himself, he says here, a garden of herbs. He wanted a place where he could go easily and gather of the fruit of his labor there conveniently for him. He didn't want to be inconvenienced. He didn't want to be bothered. He wanted it his way. And so he desired this vineyard that Naboth has. Now we know at the end of the story and that's not where I want to preach tonight. I want to preach from verse number three. But we know at the end of the story that Ahab goes back up after Naboth's refusal and he pouts. He lays on the bed. He won't get up. He won't eat. He won't drink. His wife Jezebel comes in and says, what's the matter? He said, Naboth has a vineyard. I want it. He won't sell it to me. She said, aren't you the ruler? Can't you have what you want to have? She said, you just rest, get up, wash yourself and eat. She said, I'll get you at Naboth's vineyard. And she sends word for them to have a feast at Naboth at the top and to send in two sons of Belial or false witnesses to falsely accuse Naboth of blasphemy of God and the king. And of course by the mouth of two witnesses it was to be believed and he was taken out and stoned to death and then Ahab got his vineyard but thank God for a man like Naboth that won't give up what he's been given without a fight. Now what I'm interested in tonight is the statement as I begin to look at this and the Lord got to deal in my heart that Ahab asked for the vineyard and Naboth's response is this the Lord forbid it me. In other words, he said, it's not my decision. He said, the Lord said, it's not for sale. 
Now what Naboth was saying comes from Leviticus chapter 25. That when they went in and inherited their possession, the Lord said, it is my land. You're just strangers and pilgrims with me. I've given you your portion. Go home and read it. Leviticus 25. He said, it is not to be sold. He said, except you come on hard times and you have to sell it and then redeem it later. And if you don't have the money to redeem it in the year of Jubilee, he said, it'll be restored unto your family. And Nabal said, it's not for sale. God said, it was not for sale. I want to say in these days, now I'm just going to preach. You just hang with me here tonight and pray for me for just a few minutes. I know there are a multitude of things that we could preach about tonight that are not for sale. But the Lord put three on my heart and all three of them He confirmed in my heart through the Scripture that they belong to Him. And so because of that, they're not for sale. That's what Naboth was saying. He said, it's not mine to sell. It belongs to God and he forbid me to sell my father's inheritance unto thee. I want to say tonight that our children are not for sale. The Bible said in Psalm 127 and verse 3 that children are an heritage of the Lord. God got to directing my thoughts today and taking me through the scripture and I looked up that word heritage and it means a possession granted by God or a lot assigned by God. In other words, our children are really not ours, they're God's. And he just entrusts them to us with the responsibility to raise them. The Bible said in the fear and the nurture and the admonition of the Lord and in these days we ought to resolve in our heart by the grace of God that our children are not for sale. I'm not talking about, and I don't want you to look at me strange tonight, I'm not talking about going out here and putting a a dollar figure on our children. That's not what I'm preaching about. I'm preaching about the fact that many in this day, many church people, many Christians, many safe folk parents are trading out their children, selling out their children, and not even realizing what they're doing, and our children are not for sale. I want to say, now I'm going to preach how God put it on my heart. I'm going to say tonight our children are not for sale. Our children are not for trade, but for a career. Yeah. I know it might get a little quiet. I'm just going to preach what's on my heart in the spirit of love. I prayed that the day before I left to come here. I prayed while we prayed around the altar for the Lord to help me say what he won't said and for it to be received in the right spirit. I'm not up here preaching tonight against you having a career, but you better beware when your career becomes more important than your children. You are selling your children for a career. Oh yeah. It ought not be that way. I understand tonight. I'm not preaching against you having one. But I'm preaching against it becoming a priority over your children. Yeah. I'm telling you. I know it takes money to make the world go round. I know it takes money to live. I know it takes work and effort for us to make it in this life. But the career should never come above the children. They're not for sale for a career. 
where they ought not to be here in Abel. He said, my land, my vineyard, my inheritance from God. God forbid it for me to sell it to you. It's not for sale. And God forbid we should trade our children for a career. Now I'm going to tell you why many trade their children for a career. It's because they're trading their children to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know what I'm preaching is right. And I know it ain't popular. But I'm telling you, we're living in a generation, my generation. I'll preach to my own generation for just a minute. My generation has come up and they think that they need at 21 and 22 years old everything it took mom and daddy and grandma and grandpa 40 years to have and they're going to debt up to their eyeballs and struggle to make the payment. I understand you got to go in debt. I understand we can't make it without it in these days. But I'm telling you, if you're doing it just to keep up an appearance and to think, make everybody think highly of you and trading off your children working day and night I'm telling you they're not for sale that's right I want to say our children ought to be traded out for convenience that's right we're not to parent our children conveniently you hear me tonight now I prayed and the Lord said this is what I'm supposed to preach. And I said, Lord, you know who will be there and you know who won't. So I'm preaching to those that God knew who would be here. A parenting is not convenient. We can't trade our children out, sell them out. But for convenience, you can't reprimand and correct them only when it's convenient. And if you don't correct and reprimand them, this Bible, I don't know where we come up with it. We've misquoted the Bible about all my life. Somebody said the Bible said if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. That's not what this book says. This book says if you spare the rod, you hate your child. That's what it says. That's strong language, I know. But that's what the book says. In Proverbs chapter 13, it says if you spare the rod, you hate your child. Proverbs 13, 24, he that spareth his rod, hateth his son. But he that loveth him, chasteneth him betimes. That means often when he needs it. I'm not preaching about beating your children. I'm not preaching about abusing your children. But I like what one preacher said. Matter of fact, it was a brother that was here, Brother Rayfield, just the other Sunday. He said kids are raised and they're made naturally by God with a place right here on the back of their leg for you to switch them and pop them and to tell them no. It won't kill your kids to hear no. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't teach them respect now and to submit to authority now, if a child is not raised in the fear of authority and respect of authority, we've got some here in the building tonight. I don't want to, but everybody knows who he is. I started saying I don't want to point nobody out. But Brother Johnson was in law enforcement and retired, and he can tell you that if you don't train a child when it's young to respect authority, when they grow older, they won't respect authority and you can't start at 13 and instill in them what you should have been doing at 2 and 3. I believe that's right. I believe that's right. I believe that we ought to bring, I'm just going to preach. I believe we ought to bring our children to church. And I understand that they're kids. I understand I've got them too. I've got four of them. 
And sometimes they holler. And sometimes they make noise. And that's fine. But I'm going to tell you, we got to teach them and train them that this is the house of God. And that they're to sit up and pay attention to the preacher and not be disrespectful in the service and to try to make as little movement as possible. I understand that babies cry. I understand they have to be fed. I understand that toddlers, when they're going through training, have to go to the restroom. I'm not preaching against that. If that's the spirit you're taking it in, that's not the right spirit. But I'm telling you, there ought to be some respect toward our children. We ought to train them. It won't hurt to pop them in the service or to tell them to be quiet or to tell them to pay attention. They need it in this day. See, we must train them that what's going on in here is of utmost importance. And you can't just do it by your words. You gotta do it by your actions. They gotta see in you that church is important and that God is important. And if all they see is that God's important, uh, three days a week or three times a week or two days a week, God help us. God's not gonna be there important to them. That's right. Believe that's right. I know we don't like to. It's not, I mean, you're not the right kind of parent if you enjoy. Discipline your children. You're not the right kind of parent if you enjoy reprimanding your children. But you are the right kind of parent if you do it because you love them. And it breaks your heart to have to do it. But you know if you don't do it, they'll turn out to be something you don't want them to be. And my Bible said, if you love your child, whether it's a boy or a girl, you will not spare the rod. You will discipline and correct them and train them and teach them the ways of God. Right. I believe your children ought to hear you pray. I believe your children ought to see you read the Bible. I believe that's right. I believe they ought to see it more than once a week. I know I'm preaching right. I know that's right. And I'm not bragging on me by any means whatsoever. But my two-year-old come walking down the hall. When I study, I go in the bedroom. I just leave the door open. They know what I'm going to do. And most of the time, they're pretty quiet and respectful. We've tried our best to teach them and train them that what's going on in there is important. I'm trying my best to get God's will for the service and to watch my two-year-old walk down the hall and see what I was doing. I heard her say, oh, he's studying the Bible and turn around and walk back in the other direction. I'm not bragging on me, but I'm telling you tonight, we got to train them that this is real. I'm going to tell you something about kids. I work with them every day. Kids can spot a fake quicker than anybody else. And they know what you say and what you do in the house of God lines up with what you say and what you do outside the house of God. We better beware of being hypocrites in front of our children. I'm telling it right. No, I am. And I'm going to tell you it goes more than just our children. Some of you got grandchildren and you're going to have an impact. I understand that it's the parents' responsibility to raise the children. You can't raise them for them. 
but you also have an impact in their raising, in their instruction, in their understanding of the word of God. And they will shape and mold their opinion of our God about what they observe in us. I'm going to tell you tonight, our children are not for sale. They belong to God anyway. The Lord forbid it that we should sell our children. That's what Naboth was saying. The Lord forbid it. It belongs to Him. I can't sell it. He forbid it. I'm going to tell you tonight, the Lord forbid that we should sell our children. They don't want to say tonight, the Lord forbid that we should sell our churches. I'm not talking about the building either. I'm talking about the local assemblies and the people of God. God forbid our churches ought not be for sale. I believe that's right. I believe that's right. I want to say our churches ought not be for sale for numbers. I'm afraid in this day a whole lot have sold out for numbers. I've been studying about worship and I got some books and have read some books these past weeks about worship. And one writer was writing about worship and he said somewhere along the line the disconnect came and we began to change everything in the house of God to attract the unsaved. And there's something wrong with that. What goes on in the house of God should not be attractive to the unsaved. It's the gospel, the light of the glorious gospel and the pull of the Holy Spirit that draws the sinners that they should not be able to sit in the sanctuary and be comfortable. They ought to feel at home. They ought to feel loved. They ought to feel welcome. We ought to go out of our way to welcome them and let them know we appreciate them being here. But when it comes time for the business of the preaching of the gospel, a sinner should never be able to sit in the church and be comfortable. And God forbid that they should be able to shake the preacher's hand and tell him they enjoyed it and walk out the door unaffected. And the reason they can is because we've sold our churches. For numbers, for a name, want to be well known. I don't know where, where that this idea came from. And, and I, I, I'm not being mean. And I'm not trying to pick on people. And I've been guilty of saying it before. But I don't know where this idea come from that the ministry of the church is a man's ministry. It's not my ministry. It's God's ministry. Paul didn't say my ministry. He didn't say God called me to my ministry. He said God counted me faithful and He put me in the ministry. They ain't but one ministry and that's God's ministry. The church don't have its own. The preacher don't have his own. It's not about me and it's not about us. It's about God. But we've sold out. We've started making it. We've got men traveling all over this country and I'm just going to preach tonight. It's us and God said I can. 
We got men traveling all over this country and they're promoting me, me, me. They want them to see them. They want them to respond to them. They want their name to be known. They want to have a bigger crowd than the other man. They want to drive a nicer car than the other man. They want to dress in finer suits than the other man. They want to have bigger numbers than the other man. And we've sold out the church for a notoriety and a name. God help us. God help us. Sure, I'd like to see the sanctuary full. Sure, I'd like to see more people come in. I do, and I want to. That's my heart's desire. And I believe God's working. And little by little, they're coming in. But what good's it going to do that I have a house full of people and no God? That's what we're going to have if we sell out. We're going to have no God. He's going to be grieved. And he don't hang around where he's grieved. That's why the Bible said we're not to grieve him. We're not to quench him. If you grieve the Spirit of God, he'll go somewhere else. Oh yeah. Go around, drive through cities. I don't know why the Lord wanted me to preach this tonight. But I'm trying my best to obey him. Go through cities and see men's faces plastered on billboards like they're some kind of celebrity. God, help us. We've sold out. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with advertising a meeting. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with proclaiming a meeting or putting it out there. And I just assume, you know, here we are in this age of social media and they call for a meeting and the first thing they want to do, and I'm not preaching against it necessarily, but the first thing they want to do is put the preacher's faces on there. I wish they wouldn't put my face on there. It ain't about me. It's about God. I thank God for the open door. I thank God for the invitation. I thank God He's made a way for me to go. I put gas in my car to drive. I put clothes on my back to wear. I put a message in my heart to preach. And unction to preach it in. But it ain't about me. It's about Him. Amen, bro. Yes, sir, brother. That's right. That is right. Not about what man knows anyway. One day I'm not going to stand before men and give my account. Neither are you. One writer wrote a song. He said something to the effect that his name may never go down in history. There'll be no marble plaque, no grand parade to honor him. But he said there is a record book and my name's written in. And the next verse is really humbling. He said, for every deed I do and every word I say, there's a record kept till the judgment day. Now I'm going to tell you, if we sell out the church, we'll stand and give an account for what we did. That's right. Paul told Timothy to preach the word. He said, that's all you got to do, Timothy, is to be faithful to God, preach the word. Not go out and promote yourself, just preach the word. Not preach to preach again, just preach the word. We got men, I don't know why I'm on preachers tonight. We got men that want to do that, they want to preach to preach again. They preach and tell the crowd what they want to hear, so they call them back so they can preach again. And I'm going to tell you something any man that's called of God wants to preach. And any man that's called of God, God will open the doors for him to preach. We don't have to do it. We don't have to put it out there. We don't have to flag our resume and say, God will do the work. 
Our churches are not for sale. I guess you could put a side note in there and it really wasn't what the Lord dealt with my heart with today, but it seems like He's working in my heart pretty strong that our callings as men of God are not for sale. But many have sold out. Then I want to say last thing I'm done. Here Naboth is and he tells Ahab, he says, the Lord forbid it me, it's not mine to give. And by the way, our churches are not ours to sell. The Bible said it's the church of God which He hath bought and purchased with His own blood. It belongs to Him. So therefore, it's not for sale. I want to say not only our children, here as we look at Naboth, not only our children, not only our churches, but I want to say that our convictions are not for sale. I'm not talking about preferences. I'm not talking about disagree things we can disagree on. I'm talking about those things that are most surely believed among us. Those things that... I'm not talking about what a man has told you or what you followed as a man does. I'm talking about what God has put in you. The Bible said we're bought with a price. We no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And therefore we're to glorify Him in our body and our spirit which both belong to Him. What God has convinced you is right, showed you is right through the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God, the dealing of the Holy Spirit, what He has showed you, what He has convinced. That's what the word convict means. It means to convince. The things God has convinced you is right or should not be for sale. Our convictions should not change based on popularity. Our convictions should not change based on the people we're around. The convictions should not change to win favor in the eyes of men. Our convictions should not change to please people. Our convictions should not change to please ourselves. They should not be for sale. Amen, brother. That's right. We know what's right. We know what's right. We know this place is a holy place. And it's not because that the wood special, the carpet or the drywall, but it's God's place. And we know we don't dress any old way to come in this place. And we know we don't act any old way when we come in this place. And by the way, the reality is you ought not to dress just any old way out there, act any old way out there. But the world ought to be able to tell there's a difference in us when we're out there. I believe that's right. So we know when we come in here, we're here for God's business. We know when we come in here, it's not fun and games. I, I like to fellowship and I like to laugh with the best of you, and I will. It's wonderful. Before service, after service, it's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you, when it comes time for God's work, there's no fun and games about it. The pulpit's not a place for jokes. It's not a place for games. It's not a place for gimmicks. It's not a place for psychological tactics. We're not here to deal with the mind. We're here to deal with the will and the spirit of man and eternal things. It ought not be for sale. But little by little, based on popularity, based on pleasing the people, we have lost our convictions little by little by little. I know I'm preaching right. I know it's right. You go into some churches nowadays and I'm done. And I'm not preaching in the wrong spirit tonight. I'm not. 
I'm going to tell you it's a shame and a disgrace to go in some churches today and you have to hide your eyes from what some people wear inside the house of God. And it shouldn't be worn outside the house of God, much less inside the house of God. As far as I know, God's not changed. And I know it's not popular and they want to, and, and you may criticize and people may criticize and crucify and say well, it's the Old Testament. Well, the same God that was God in the Old Testament is God in the New Testament. And He told them in the Old Testament that He didn't want to see their nakedness and He don't want to see it today. It's got no place in the house of God. I know that's right. I'm not preaching. You know me. I don't preach being spirited. If I feel like I'm going to, I just won't preach. It doesn't do anybody any good. But if God's putting it on our heart, if God wants it to be dealt with, if God wants us to be reminded that this is His house and it's holy things. It's holy things. But we live in a day where little by little, and it's the fact that the world... And it's, it's the plague of the Laodicean church age, of the lukewarm church that's straddling the fence that the world has infiltrated the church and the church has infiltrated the world and the lines have become blurred and you can't tell the world from the church and it ought not be so. And it did not happen overnight. Little by little by little. The, the styles of Hollywood and the movie stars, they started creeping in among the church. And if they're the representative of the world, what in the world is God's people doing trying to be like them? I don't have no little boy. God saw fit to give me all girls. But if I had a little boy... I wouldn't want him, and I'm saying this from my heart. I wouldn't want his hero and the one he wanted to be like to be on the baseball field or on the basketball court or the football field or in some movie in Hollywood. But I would hope that I would raise him in such a way and demonstrate to him the power of God that he would want a godly man to be his hero. And regardless, I've got four little girls. And I don't want their hero to be on the runway. I don't want their hero to be this and to be that and in the magazines and on the movies and the cartoons. I want them to find a godly lady that's got the power of God like Sister Connie testified about this morning. There's a few of them. I was around and as a sinner, I was afraid to be around them too. And they had God everywhere they went. It wasn't just on the church pew. It was at Walmart and the grocery store out in the backyard. They knew God. God knew them. And that's the hero for our children. In order to do that, our convictions can't be for sale. And what I mean by that is this. You can't tell your children. Here we are back on children again. You can't tell your children it's not okay in the house of God. And then turn around on Tuesday and tell them it's okay outside the house of God. 
You can't do it. It blurs the lines. It makes things unclear to them. That's what I mean by you can't do it just by the crowd you're around, the people you're with, to please others. That's the only reason you have the convictions you have. You have the convictions for the wrong reason and they're not really convictions anyway. To have a true conviction, it has to be convinced in you by the Spirit of God. I believe that's right. We live in a day and we can get, on the, we can get in a ditch on either side. We can preach about those that have no standards and dress like they want to dress and act like they want to act. But then we get on this side and preach about them that preach it so rough and so hard without any love and not in the right spirit. And the people are afraid of the preacher and they're just doing it to make the preacher happy. And it's a burden and a bondage to them. And neither side's really right. But if God ever convinces you in your own heart about what's right for you, what's right for your family, the way you ought to live out of this Bible. I'm not talking about things that's right for one and not right. I'm not talking about that. But I'm saying in your own personal heart, when you open the Word of God and God reveals to you and convinces you of what is right for your home out of this book or from the preaching of the Word of God, it will stick. And it will not be a dread. It will not be a, a drudgery. It will not be a burden. It will not be bondage. It will be joy to live the life that's pleasing in the sight of God. That's right. So I want to say tonight, there are some things, and there are many other things, that we could talk about, but these are the three that God put on my heart. Some things that our children are not for sale. Our churches are not for sale. Our convictions are not for sale. The Lord forbid it, is what Naboth said. And I'm going to tell you, in these days, the Lord forbid it for our children, our churches, or our convictions. They all belong to Him. So the Lord forbid that we should sell them. Oh, Ahab, he said, I'll give you one better. He said, if that won't do you, I'll pay you whatever you want. Just name your price. That's, that's the language, the way it's written. He said, I'll pay you the price of it. He said, just name your price. And it would have been real easy for Naboth to say, well, what could it hurt? But Naboth said, the Lord forbid it. I'm going to tell you, in these days, there's crowds and people that will say you could have better things or this or that. But you're just going to have to resolve by the help and the grace of God that the Lord forbid it. That these things should be for sale. Father, I thank you tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to have been able to be in your house with your people. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the help in preaching tonight. I pray, Lord, that the Word of God has found its lodging in the hearts of the people, that it's accomplished that which You please, that was received, Lord, tonight in the right spirit. Lord, that it would do a work in our hearts. Lord, that it would draw us closer to You, Lord, in these days. Lord, if there's someone here, Lord, that needs, Lord, Your help in resolve and standing, Lord, in these things, to protect them. Lord, would you give grace and strength, Lord, I pray. Help us, Lord, to guard what you've entrusted to us. What you've given us. 
what you made us responsible for. And understand, Lord, that it's yours. Lord, we have no right to sell. The Lord forbid it. You forbid it. Lord, for these things to be for sale. Help us, Lord, to guard our children. Lord, in these days when the world and the devil and all the avenues and the alleyways of hell assail them or out to get them, Lord, help us not to sell our children out. (coughs) Lord, in these days when our adversary (coughs) walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, help us not to sell out our children and our churches. And Lord, help us to hold true and hold fast to the convictions, the truths of the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Thank you, Lord, for liberty, Lord, to preach and say what you put on my heart. I pray, Lord, tonight that the Word of God has found good ground to fall on. Lord, that it might bring forth fruit unto perfection in the lives of your people. That we might be helped and bettered Lord, by what has went on in our midst tonight. And we'll thank you, Lord, and we'll praise you for all you do. For I ask it all in Jesus' name.